Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, what's up everybody? Welcome in Coast to Coast Podcast, special commitment edition slash regular edition. We're doing everything here tonight. This show is brought to you by Johnny T-Shirt. Coast to Coast Podcast here on InsideCarolina.com. I am Joey Powell, your host. You're not here to hear or see me. You are here for the two gentlemen that are joining me on the screen. If you are watching on YouTube, which we highly recommend, but if you're more of an audio consumer, that's fine too. Uh, I will still tell you they are on your screen, even if you're not viewing a screen right now. Sean Moran, Sherelle McMillan, the two guys with the info, the plan, the way to execute. Sean, how are you feeling? I'm still doing well from that UNC money line victory on Saturday and uh, just getting through the heat, the, the heat dome in Southern California right now. So you would be referring to the UNC football victory in which they scored roughly 793 points between them and their opponent, Appalachian State, on Saturday afternoon. Cheryl, how you feeling, man? I'm good. Did you see that the basketball uh, game against Appalachian two years ago was lower scoring than the football game on Saturday? I did see that, and I appreciate you bringing it up because, man, basketball on turf is fun for some. Um, (laughs) It is not fun for most. We had uh, on the radio show with Tommy Ashley and I, Inside Carolina Live, three hours before every kickoff, uh, Brandon Robinson stopped by and talked with us the other day, and we were asking the guys before the Florida A&M game what kind of ball they like to watch, you know, on football, what kind of game they like to see, and uh garrison you know prefers very much the you know knockdown drag out i think he actually dropped a wing t reference uh but b rob <laughs> said he wanted to see basketball on grass so just shout out to brandon because i'm i'm sure if he watched this past weekend in boone he was quite satisfied with uh the style of play and you know defense optional situation that that took place there for the football tar heels but that's not why we're here we're here because Sound the commitment buzzer, which is different than the reggaeton horns that you've heard before on the show. The commitment buzzer. Cousin Drake, Drake Powell, 
Uh, in the 2024 class, a 6'5 wing forward from Pittsburgh on Northwood High School. Cousin Drake making that hotline bling, only wants one dance, and he's going to dance with Hubert Davis and the Tar Heels. Sherelle, tell us how that went down. Uh, you know, so he, as we talked about before, he's got UNC has some pre-built advantages in with Powell. So you start with the fact that he lives, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes down the street from UNC. Naturally, you would kind of gravitate towards that, or a lot of people would gravitate towards that. I think, secondly, both of his parents are alums. So he grew up in kind of a Carolina household. Um, and then I think you add in the fact that, um, you know, some of the players that he watched at UNC, he, he really liked to emulate. Uh, he liked their games. And so you combine all that with a strong desire to one day play in the ACC um, and then add all that with his official visit, uh, which I think he was kind of blown away. If you haven't read, um, you know, his commitment and his words, uh, check that out. It should be posted by now. Um, that seemed to really kind of seal everything. Carolina may have been his leader, may have been out in front, may have been tied with a, another school or two. But once he went on the visit, that kind of sealed the deal. Uh, so I think it's a variety of all those things that um, led to something that we, we thought would happen, didn't know when it would happen. Uh, but it, it is good for North Carolina to, to be able to win this recruitment, lock it down, and now move on to the next thing in 2024. A, a great, just a great piece to build on and a, a great overall player, or a really good overall player in Drake Bow. I know a lot of our listening audience uh, and you know viewers that are watching this, and just inside Carolina subscribers in general who follow uh, you know prep basketball in North Carolina have been a big fan of Drake Powell, um, and you know we're we're very much on uh, on the, the train that supports him a long time ago. Sean, I know he had some some spots this summer where he really uh, seemed to improve his game and acquit himself well. You know we talked about it on past episodes here on the Coast to Coast, but. Uh, you pointed out a lot of things that he really did as far as rounding his game uh, or, or making his game more well-rounded and, and kind of coming into form and coming into his own. Uh, how do you feel like uh, he acquitted himself this past summer? What do you feel like he can work on you know, between now and his time in Chapel Hill? And then if you wouldn't mind, you know, ballpark where you think he might end up in the next uh, 24-7 rankings. Sure. I think he had overall, he had a, he had a pretty good summer. He was playing on the, the U16 level. Sometimes you'll see a lot of the, the top rising juniors playing up on the 17s, but I don't, I don't think there's a, there's a huge, huge difference. Uh, he'll be playing on the 17s next year. I think you've seen a guy that's continued to, to grow as a player. He came obviously on the radar as a freshman being a local product. I think from a high school standpoint, you've seen him uh, continue to, to trend up still with, with really the two formative years left to go and even on the AAU circuit uh playing in peach jam playing in the nike tournaments you saw him uh really be one of the top guys on that team i know cp3 didn't have the the peach jam they expected but he had uh he, he played well in kansas city uh he played well scoring just under a little under 10 points per game but for him it's all he's, he's not going to be the guy that's scoring 20 a game uh you know averaging 20 he might score 20 every now and then, but his game, the key word is versatility offensively and, and defensively. And I think defensively is what is going to probably get him on the court earlier uh, at, at Chapel Hill, just given what we saw this past year with with the freshmen and, and some of the struggles they had getting playing time. So I think 
defensively, he's going to be able to guard multiple positions. Offensively, he's a very unselfish player that uh, ha- has that pass-first mentality, but he-, he can operate from the wing. Uh, he can attack. He's athletic, so can finish at the basket. From an improvement standpoint, uh, we'll, we'll be <laughs> saying saying this over the next few years and even into him getting in Chapel Hill, but it will be continuing to improve the, the three-point shot. He shot 35% from three in AAU play, which is pretty good, especially for, for a junior. But I think uh, probably still needs some work just on the shot mechanics and, and making that a little more consistent. Right now, I'd say he's most comfortable in that mid-range, uh, kind of that one dribble, two dribble, getting to that free throw line and, and pulling up. Sometimes he'll take some pretty contested or challenging shots in that area. So I think as he learns just a little better shot selection, uh, that'll, that'll see an improvement there. But overall, a guy with uh, w- with strong strong upside, and he's also one that I don't think is going to scare away maybe the premier scorer or five-star player that UNC is definitely focused on in, in the 2024 class. So right now he's... He's ranked, uh, I believe, 76, and I could see him really at, not a top 50, but I think in that 50 to 60 type range is where he'll settle in going into that that junior year. And then obviously a lot can change uh, from junior to senior year. So I think he's a, I think we said it last time, but a foundational piece that you can build around and should be in Chapel Hill for for several years. Definitely seems like a strong four-star caliber player and Cheryl, Sean just mentioned the other players that may or may not uh, be affected by a commitment from the likes of Drake Powell, but this is a strong year for talent, or the 24 class is a strong class for talent in North Carolina. Do you feel like um, this, how does this commitment from Drake Powell help or hurt, or what does it have to do with any of the other uh, kids that they have their sights set on right now that have offers from UNC? Uh, I think it lets them know that, you know, was it they say the train's leaving the station? You better get on board, you know, that kind of thing. I think it lets them know that there are limited spots. You're not going to see many classes anymore, especially from UNC of five or six high school, um, you know, seniors. That's, I just don't think that's realistic. It might happen once every five or six years, but it, it's not going to be a regular occurrence. And so Drake Miles, Drake Powell has now, I almost said Drake May. I was trying to get through the whole thing without saying Drake May. <laughs> it won't Drake be the Powell first or the last time, bro. Yeah, for sure. He's he solidified one of those spots now, so that's one less spot for someone else who may be seriously interested in North Carolina. So I think that is what the commitment says, is that, uh, you know, they'll wait, but they're not going to wait forever. And that's been a theme with Hubert Davis, uh, really, through now, this is going to be, this is the start of his third class that he's seriously recruiting between 2022, 2023, and 2024. That's a common theme, is that They'll, they'll give you some exclusivity on the offer for, you know, a certain amount of time, whether it's three months, six months, or in some various cases, 12 months. But after that, they're going to move on if, if you don't, you know, make a decision or give some serious indicators one way or the other. So I think that's what it says for a lot of guys, because, uh, you know, he's only a, he's, this is only his junior season and in September of his junior year. That's, that's pretty early for a, a commitment. Um, so I think that's what it says. It, it, it kind of sends off warning bells to anyone who is really interested in North Carolina and wants to go there that you kind of you got to hurry up. That's, that's interesting to look at how that might affect. I was thinking about just other players in general, but I love the context of how that might uh, affect other folks' timelines. Uh, and, and speaking of how the staff typically goes out uh, with, rec- you know, with recruiting and, and 
players that they prioritize and what order they may come into to UNC or make their commitments. Uh, we found out uh, that TJ Power, one of UNC's last uh, prospects for the 23 class, committed to Duke, uh, which means now UNC has one remaining target from that 23 class. You remember all the things that have gone on since, uh, you know, since UNC started putting out offers and taking commitments from that class. Terrell Zayden High seems to be the last guy standing with a potential ticket to Chapel Hill. Do you want to talk about uh, an upcoming visit for him and where that sits with the Tar Heel staff right now? Yeah, just to reset his recruitment. So he's a player that they first saw in April. And it's ironic that it, this is coming around because I think they watched him and were considering him because of another player who wasn't, you know, making a decision that they were waiting on. And so he got really close to a, a UNC offer in April. But then that player decided to go ahead and commit to UNC. <laughs> um, ironically, that player's decommitment from UNC is the reason that UNC back, tried to get in with TJ Power. Um, and then the next day after they offered TJ Power, they offered the high as well. And so now that Power is gone, um, and one of the schools that UNC, <laughs> uh, the school that UNC lost Power to was one of the schools after the player who decommitted in April. <laughs> so now they're back to Zayden, who was kind of the original backup for that slot. So right. it's, it's really interesting how it all played out. Um, but he's coming on a visit for live action with Carolina basketball on September 30th, uh, which is the new midnight madness slash early evening madness as Joey called it slash <laughs> late evening with Roy slash late night with Roy. Um, and sundown with Doherty. Be... I don't know, whatever they call it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that, that will be his um, third overall official visit, but it'll be um, his first senior year visit. So he took an official visit to Villanova back in June. And then he took one to Michigan just before, um the dead period started at the end of july so you you're looking at those two schools who seem to be up front because they've gotten official visits and you also look at texas um i think he's taking an unofficial there and then north carolina and right now that's the north carolina visit is all he has on the book so um north carolina still wants him he's visiting um he is a player they're going to go after and um they do have playing time to sell they have the north carolina stage to sell uh, they have the success of some of the guys who have played his position in the past to sell. So, you know, we'll see what happens. We always say if they get on campus, anything can happen. And he's going to be on campus for a pretty cool slash big weekend. Yeah. Sean, I want to come to you in a second about Zayden High's game. But, Cheryl, let's stay here for a second. Does does his transferring uh, to Compass change anything with regard to how he might perceive North Carolina or vice versa? I don't think so. Um, Compass is kind of a national program. And so they're used to, uh, you know, sending guys basically all over the place. Um, more of a, of a definitely a, a serious prep school, serious prep route, um, going there to play a national schedule. So I don't think it'll impact it too much. Uh, in previous years, it may have, but I think with the way North Carolina is conducting itself and the way it is um, uh, opening doors that maybe it wouldn't have in the past, that I mm -hmm. think uh, it, it's not an issue uh, with, with Hebert Davis and his staff. Sean, let's talk about Zayden High's game. You know, he had a he had a very um, Jekyll and Hyde summer. I feel like you know he looked really good early on. Uh, then I think the second time UNC watched him and some other people watched him, it was he was not as consistent. How, what would you take away from how he performed this summer as a whole? I think inconsistent is a is a good word you you mentioned with with him really starting out so hot in that very first spring live period, uh, cooling off the the second 
spring period and then uh just kind of uh up up and down throughout the summer not not too up and not too down for the most part uh whether it was kansas city or peach jam i think he had some i'd say some solid games and and maybe some some games where he 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 didn't shoot the ball the best but i think when when you look at him you see a, a big guy that that has a good frame that can run the floor and shoot it shot 25 percent from from three so the number numbers don't bear that out but i think just the, the form and the range I, I think that will be a strength as he as he gets down the line not overly athletic in terms of above the rim or blocking shots or dunking on people down the lane so that leads you to believe hey this guy most likely another multi-year player which i think will will probably be a a theme for me as we talk about recruits um just in terms of one and done or, or being there a few years but i think he's a he can be a, a good rebounder and he does have that ability to be comfortable outside uh outside the three-point line and and kind of provide that potential spacing that unc is going to be continuously looking for from their fours and, and fives going yeah, forward that's what i was going to add to joey if we go back to when he was his first name head coach it felt like the only word he was using were words were spacing and shooting spacing and shooting spacing and shooting and uh i understand that his percentages weren't high but if you just watch him shoot it looks better than the percentages were to sean's mm-hmm. point so i think that's part of the appeal and then i'd add too man he he is a battler like Hero Davis talks about wanting people who go in and, and ready to fight and throw the first punch and, and all that good stuff. And I will definitely do that. There were times when he was outmatched, you know, strength wise or outmatched via athleticism that he still found ways to to get boards to contribute inside. And so while I don't think he's a, you know, a full time, you know, banger type five like Armando Baycott he can definitely get down there and get his nose dirty and, and, and play with the big guy. So I, that's a, a plus as well when you're wanting to play the way Hubert Davis is. If you can have someone who can stretch and who doesn't mind getting down in there, you know, like right Brady Manic um, to some extent, then um, I think that's, that's a plus. So I, I know folks see his ranking and see some of his play and maybe are a little down on him or wondering why UNC doesn't, just doesn't look to the portal after the season. But I do think he is a, a legitimate player. I think he would be a good fit at UNC. And you can do both. You don't have to just have one or the other. Uh, and I think a lot of folks are going to be, uh, you know, will look back at the end of September and be, uh, be really happy that they got high on campus at UNC. Um, I'll be here all week, folks. Uh, one thing I will be doing all week is thinking about what I'm going to get a Johnny T-shirt before the Notre Dame football game. Uh, you know, we got this coming weekend – uh, the Tar Heel football team is in Atlanta playing at Georgia State. Then you got an open date. So you got two weeks to get your gear before the Notre Dame game. Notre Dame, like into September, that's when things potentially you start to get that that false fall in North Carolina. Um, you, you could potentially start getting your you know, your fall gear to wear to that Notre Dame game. And that game's going to be hype. There's going to be a lot of people there. Notre Dame always travels well. They're a marquee brand, whether whether they're good on the field or not. So you don't want to look like a schlub at your tailgate. If you come by the Inside Carolina live show and you look like a schlub, you know, Tommy's probably going to call you out. Um, so make sure you go buy Johnny T-shirt. Go to johnnytshirt.com. Uh, you know, anybody that, that has heard me talk about them knows that I'm dead serious when I say they take care of you. They've got an amazing selection of gear owned and operated by UNC alums. Uh, and, you know, they appreciate all we do here at Inside Carolina. Premium subscribers get an extra 10% 
off of their already low prices. With that, I'm going to come to you, Sherelle. I hear you also have a, a scoop about Johnny T-shirt. Yeah, so there's a recruit who's visiting over the next couple of months. I won't mention the name, mm -hmm. just for anonymity's sake. Mm -hmm. And this recruit said, I really want to get some gear while I'm, camp while I'm on campus. That's what you know him and his father said. And I was like, how much time you got, man? I said, Johnny T-shirt <laughs> is the place to go. Those were my exact words. Uh, not the how much time you got, but Johnny T-shirt is the place to go. So when that recruit arrives in Chapel Hill, they, they know where to go. They're going to go to Johnny T-shirt. I'd like to think they've heard this show. I'd like to think they've heard this show and they understand, you know, we tell you that the reason recruits commit is because they go to Johnny T-shirt. The first thing recruits do when they're on their a visit, whether it be official or otherwise, is go to Johnny T-shirt. Anyway, we love them. Hope you love them. Check them out. Johnny T-shirt right there on East Franklin or JohnnyT-shirt.com. Quick shipment. Great selection. Good people. I don't know what else you want from a haberdasher of UNC gear. I'll be right back after National Guys run some ads. You're listening to the Coast to Coast podcast here on InsideCarolina.com. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all right thanks for sticking around i'm joey powell this is the coast coast podcast here on InsideCarolina.com. appreciate you guys being here we've already told you unc's already got the 24 class off to a good start with a commitment from cousin drake drake powell out of Pittsburgh, North Carolina. Uh, and, you know, that's not the only thing happening right now with the 24 class. As we found out this week, our guy, Sherelle McMillan, lets you know that uh, the Tar Heels have offered Trenton Flowers a 6'8 small forward, another North Carolina kid. Sherelle, you want to talk a little bit about Mr. Flowers? Yeah, that one caught us a little bit off guard. Uh, North Carolina, we know definitely the wing is a priority for them in 2024. They have Powell. Um, they also have offers out to Cam, Cam Scott uh, down in South Carolina, Trey Johnson down in Texas, uh, Ian Jackson up in New York. So there was definitely a, a bevy of talent already that they had offered on the wings. 
And Flowers is someone they've watched for some time. I think Sean May watched him for the first time last December um, at the Chick-fil-A Classic down in Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, but uh, we just didn't think it would get quite to an offer because they, like I said, Sean May watched them a ton. They watched them some in Orlando. They watched them some in Indianapolis and Kansas City. And the communication seems to have been consistent. Um, but just, just a little surprise. But now he's at Combine Academy uh, in Lincolnton, just outside of Charlotte. And so maybe part of North Carolina's willingness to offer is that he's closer now, that they don't have to fly to Sierra Canyon in California or uh, go up to Huntington Prep in, in West Virginia. They can make the trip down 85 to see him pretty much anytime they want. So that could be a, a part of it as well as to why um, they offered now. Sean, you have any insight on what a kid like Trenton Flowers means for, you know, for UNC? I know that, again, we've talked about and Cheryl just alluded to it a little bit. Um, you know, th there's sometimes the staff makes offers to kids that, you know, you, you don't really get why, but maybe geographically now that he's in the state of North Carolina, that makes sense. How do you how do you make rhyme or reason of, of what an offer to a kid like that does with regard to the rest of the potential class? You know, can you put that in terms of, of his skill set, or is it like Cheryl said, it's just more emphasis on the same, you know, wing type player that is athletic and also shoots well and is also a dude. Like, how do you how do you take that? I think in terms of skill set, he's a little different than than a lot of the the other guys in the in the class that have been been offered. Uh, I think from normally we've been outside of Powell, you've been looking at guys that can that can really score the ball, uh, kind of true two guards or, or, or wings. And I think for him, he, he's kind of in the mold of the Lamar Odom, Penny Hardaway with the size and the ability to handle the ball and, and get people uh, almost facilitate a little bit. He can, he can score, but I think he's got, he kind of fancies himself as a point guard, which I don't think you're going to be putting him at the, uh, at the one uh, right off the bat is his freshman year or wherever he may, may end up. But I think there's probably a little more, um, ability to to do a lot versus focus on scoring from the other 2024 guards that that have been been offered i think it, it doesn't look like a normal unc offer in terms of where he's been been bouncing bouncing around bouncing around as Sherelle mentioned but perhaps it is hey we saw him we liked him earlier now he's he's in our state let's let's see what can happen mm -hmm. and just playing out that scenario versus you know not not looking at it right now and not taking advantage of it being in your backyard and maybe it could turn into an opportunity uh down the road so i'd say it's covering covering the bases for a talented talented player and and seeing seeing what happens but with drake powell being one commitment they're obviously looking for probably one more wing and and kind of that three four four three as well like a, a the jaron stevenson type so there's not a there's not a lot of open spots. It's probably one or one or two, and and we'll see where where that one goes. I mean, I guess you could say it's live action on the recruiting trail too. Uh, Sherelle, last nugget that we have with regard to prospects on UNC's radar: uh, Isaiah Harwell has uh, has set a visit date. I'll let you talk about that. But uh, a member of the class of twenty five. He's a six-five shooting guard. I can't wrap my head around the fact that twenty twenty-five is a class, much less that we're talking about it. Um, but the kids from Pocatello, Idaho, 
I don't remember in all of my years of, of following and paying attention to Carolina basketball, I don't know that I've ever seen or heard of a player mentioned in the same sentence as UNC basketball being from Pocatello, Idaho. Uh, Sherelle, shoot that down or whatever, but then let us know what you know about, uh, about Harwell setting up this visit. First, I want to shout out someone on the message board. They called him the Portatello pistol. And I laughed <laughs> so hard at that in my desk. I thought it was hilarious. Uh, yeah, I don't think they've, in, in the modern era, they, they for sure 100% haven't. Um, maybe there's some obscure person in the 70s or 60s or, or 50s that we aren't aware of. Um, but I'm pretty sure it's the first for North Carolina to have a recruit that it's seriously interested in from Idaho. Yeah. Um, he actually goes to school now in utah so I, that almost seems like a first for utah too i'm sure there's someone but um there haven't been many if there is someone so definitely not the uh, typical fertile recruiting grounds of the southeast of north carolina virginia south carolina florida that north carolina is used to but still he's a national level recruit mm-hmm. it's obviously very early in the sophomore class 20 uh 24 7 hasn't even done an initial 2025 uh rankings batch yet but Harwell will be in, you know, a top 10 type guy. Um, I think some people believe he should be higher, but uh, he definitely shows an ability to score, to handle, um, talk to a few people who saw him at multiple Adidas events. And they said, not only was he the best 15 year old player there, maybe he was the best player there period with the way he performed. Um, He played up 17s with Utah uh, prospects on the Adidas circuit. And it's just very rare for a, someone who's leaving their true freshman season mm-hmm. to play 17s at all and let alone play 17s and be, you know, arguably the best player on the circuit. Uh, so that says a lot about his game, um, about his maturity level um, and about how he's got to continue to get better moving forward to kind of uh, stay atop. And that's why he, he made the transfer um, to a school that's going to play a, a national schedule, but he'll be visiting UNC um, the weekend of the Notre Dame game. So the schedule to arrive, I think, late on the 23rd. And even though it's an unofficial visit, the itinerary will probably be very similar mm. to an official visit. Uh, so a, a big deal to get uh, a guy who's going to be that highly rated, um, who lives across the country, um, to come to UNC on his own dime so early in his sophomore season. Um, so that's a good sign for North Carolina early in the group. And definitely, you know, if folks want to learn more about that after that uh, visit takes place, certainly, you know, we'll have it here on Inside Carolina. I mean, the only player I even know of that is from Idaho, and I don't know, Luke Ridnour, right, who played for the Bobcats for, I think, two cups of coffee and, and uh, you know, an old L magazine um, in 10 years ago or so, is the only person I can ever think of that's from Idaho. So um, shout out to Luke Ridnour. Charlotte Bobcat all-time great. Sean, uh, you have you have not had a chance to see Trent Flowers, I mean Trent Flowers, Isaiah Harwell play, I'm assuming, because last time you went to Idaho, you uh, you were just hanging out with Napoleon Dynamite and actually didn't get to see any players, right? <laughs> uh, correct on not, not seeing him play. I, I missed him down at the Adidas Seal Beach uh, where there was a few other freshmen playing in the in the U-17s to uh, get to see Ian, Ian Jackson there. And I know coming... Coming out of that event, one of the things we talked about with Ian Jackson was kind of throwing out his likelihood of potentially classifying up just mm-hmm. in terms of 
of what he's done at the 17 level already uh, as a rising junior, what he did on the USA basketball U17 circuit. And the question was, well, what is there to prove for him next year when he's already at the top of the class? And without knowing Hartwell's situation at all, I mean, I think with any top player now, you just have to look at that option. And and if if he's already playing U17s and now playing a national schedule, what's to say maybe he's only going to do three years in high school. So I think getting, getting in early, I mean, especially having him come out for a visit uh, is fantastic. And just, I think Sherelle mentioned he'll be at USA basketball, mm-hmm. which will be a chance to play against the top of the top um, and, and put himself in that, in that conversation, uh, especially given the 25 rankings haven't come out, but I think uh, haven't seen him play in person, but have, have heard the, heard seeing the, the highlights and and getting him getting him on campus uh is is definitely pretty impressive for for a kid that young well i'm sorry that you will not be uh having any you know backdoor excuses to go to boise idaho anytime soon uh, especially like sherelle said since he's playing in Would utah be nice. now <laughs> um all right one more nugget we want to hit before we get out of here tonight uh the fall evaluation period begins on friday uh, Sherelle, what do you expect the UNC coaching staff to do when that opens up on Friday? So can I start with a little bit of a story? I just want to share this. Yeah, I mean, hey, look, funny. the floor <laughs> is yours. So when we write stories for IC, obviously Ben Sherman is the editor, right? And so he works on the headlines. Sometimes we work together. Sometimes he does them. And uh, in 2014, Roy Williams uh, used the opening night of the fall evalu- evaluation period to be at Brandon Ingram's house at 12.01 a.m. And we thought it was really cool. We talked to Brandon, talked to his dad, had a nice story. And I wanted so bad for the headline to be late night with Roy. And Ben was like, no, it'll confuse people. I was like, no, Ben, come on. That's one of the few times I've been like, not legitimately mad, but like, you know, just <laughs> in, in your feelings about it. Yeah. yeah, in my feelings about a headline. <laughs> so anyway, that's a funny story. Um, so the fall evaluation period is basically the first time coaches can get back on the road uh, since the July evaluation periods. And typically um, the UNC staff goes out that first day. I would caution people though, because not all schools have workouts set up on Friday. So if they don't go see player X, that doesn't mean player X is in the top priority. It might mean that there's a schedule conflict or the team's not practicing that day or they're not lifting weights or uh, the kid's not in school. It can mean a number of things. So I would say take that with a grain of salt. Um, but they, they'll definitely be out and they'll be focused on, I would imagine, Zayden High uh, and then all of their 2024 offers. Uh, last year, uh, the first day, <laughs> they were down in Columbia at 6.30 a.m. And then they went to the Combine Academy uh, to see another player that morning. So uh, last year was a case where I think their top two targets were the first two that they saw, but that's not always the case. And the period now goes on outside of a a couple of dead periods kind of through Christmas, basically. And so you'll see uh, reports of UNC staff members, you know, seeing players all around the country, pretty much, you know, uh, they'll go see Boogie Flynn, they'll go see James Brown, they'll go see Jaron Stevenson and Drake Powell, they'll go see all those guys. But it won't all be on Friday. It'll be over the course of, you know, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. I don't know why you always got to be hating on Player X on this show, man. I just <laughs> no, I know what Player X ever did to you, but Not a al- fan. always, always throwing shade on Player X on the Coast to Coast podcast. 
Sean, what does the fall evaluation period opening up mean from a national standpoint, uh, you know, national landscape? Is, is there ever really any movement that, that happens then? Do you, can, you, can you pick out any trends? I mean, wh- what do you see when, when that typically happens? We know what it means locally, but what does it mean on a national level? I, mean, I think it's it's more just in uh, in terms of who who are they going to prioritize. It's mm-hmm. it's almost a shifting of they've spent all spring and summer watching, um, you know, the, the different classes for the most part, providing an emphasis on the rising senior class. And for that rising senior class, now it's going to be minimized to people that have committed or people that you're still chasing. In this case, it's it's really one player. So. For UNC, it's there's going to be a strong focus on 2024, which they've had, and from here it's been almost 11 months since they made their first 2024 offer with Jaron Stevenson, and then it was a pretty slow cadence after that. But there there has since been a handful of offers across different positions. So, one, who are they prioritizing from the, the offer list? Two, who who are they looking at? that might not have an offer that could be getting an offer early on in the junior season. And then three, we're just talking about 2025. And I know there's a list that they have that they're focused on. So who are some of those early guys that they're, they're looking at the 24 class is so strong locally, but the 25 class, once again, Utah, Idaho, we're, we're talking about, but are there, are there others outside of the, the North Carolina, South Carolina area that they, they want to put as a priority. So I think that's the best part of this time period of just seeing the emphasis placed on on the kids that have a little bit more more time to go in their mm-hmm. recruitment and in their high school career. That's a good answer. I, I want to ask. Go ahead, Shrill. I was just going to say a, a name to watch, in, in my opinion, would be Robert Wright, uh, who is a point guard out of Philadelphia, played for team final 16 and under on Nike's circuit. Uh, you know, UNC has contacted him. Uh, Jeff Lebo seems to be his lead recruiter. We know that UNC wants a lead guard in the 2024 class, but when you, you start to look at the two offers, you know, Boogie Flan's going to be a national recruitment where they're going to have to beat pretty much everyone. And then with Elliot Cadeau, there's always that thought that he could reclassify into 2023. So you're probably going to need to expand your board with lead guards in 2024. And I think Wright is someone who, uh, if, you know, if Hubert Davis goes and watches him work out and gets to know the family. He's someone who, uh, you know, could be in line for an offer down the road um, if everything, you know, goes the way that he hopes. And uh, starts his recruitment, he's taken an official visit to Baylor. I think he did it last weekend, and, and that's it so far. Appreciate that insight. So we will certainly keep our eyes on Mr. Wright. Um, guys, I wanted to ask this earlier and got a little distracted when we were talking about, um, you know, kind of Zayden High and him setting up his visit. Sean kind of refreshed my memory when he was talking about kind of the level of, of relative strength of these classes. You know, a lot of folks said the 23 class wasn't as strong or was, it was weaker than usual and 24 specifically in North Carolina is very strong. Um, do y'all feel like, and, and be honest with me, I know I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I'm, I might be peeling scabs off of wounds for people, but is it safe to say that North Carolina may have failed to capitalize on the final four run just based on what they were able to do with the 23 class? Uh, Sherelle, I know you got some feelings. How do you feel about that? No. Cool. We'll move on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think people, I, I understand it. Um, it's frustrating for folks the way the class has turned out. But if you look at what happened, you know, less than a month after the 
Final Four, the National Championship game, they had the number one player at the time in the class committed to UNC. Now, you can say what you want, but they had the number one player in the class in 2023 mm-hmm. committed, along with Simeon Wilcher, who is a consensus, you know, top 20, top 25 guy, a, a great class by any stretch. And they were in prime position uh, with, with Montez Bezelis as well um, before he decided to go to the G League. So I, I would say that um, it's just unfortunate circumstances. Let's let's just go through a hypothetical. Say that uh, the player never commits, Gigi Jackson never commits to UNC in April. Mm-hmm. It, it's a situation where TJ Power or someone like him who had a rise you know, throughout the a- April and throughout the summer could be committed to UNC right now. But it's just hard for me, I, and I've been talking with people about this on the message board, it's, yes, UNC lost out on Power. Um, they got in pretty much at the same time as Duke, who... Um, got his commitment. However, you just can't ignore the fact that UNC never would have been in that situation had something unprecedented and, and historic not happened in July. So in my mind, um, after the national championship game, here's what happened. They uh, got a five-star in Caleb Love back, a five-star in Armando Baycott back, uh, a five-star in Leaky Black back, a five-star in RJ Davis back. They got the number one player in the class at the time to commit to them. And then they went out and signed one of the, you know, top five or 10 transfers um, in the portal. So, again, I get the frustration. But when you look at things from a high level, I don't think you can say that they failed uh, to use the momentum. It just something crazy happened and, and crazy things happened. The product was not the result of the ingredients used. I, I could see that. And I appreciate you that s- perspective. You said it better than I did. In, <laughs> no, in fewer words. But, but you brought you, you brought a lot more insight, which which I, I think is helpful. Sean, how do you feel about that? Do you feel like Cheryl's kind of spot on, or do you have a different different view of it? I I agree with, like I tend to usually agree with with Sherell and and his uh, his comments. I think twenty twenty three never seemed to be a class of a, I don't want to say huge priority because uh, they you know they were really focused on a guard. They got Wiltshire early, and then it was hey we're really focusing on on Gigi, and they got him, and then. They didn't, you know, they didn't have, them. but it always seemed like their intent was to have a two to three, you know, two to three person class max. Right now it's Wiltshire, maybe, maybe Zayden High, but uh, I think then that goes to 2024 and how important that class is. And how does UNC use not just the, the final four run to get them into what we talked about last year, they they were becoming nationally ir- irrelevant. Uh, they're nationally relevant again with a number one team and pretty much everybody returning. But now you're going into being able to, after everybody departs after this year, uh, starting to play the bench players. But now in 2024, you, you can sell playing time pretty easily to pretty much any any position. And if you're not able to capitalize on all the talent returning, UNC being in the news and a strong talent base in that area, then then I would be much more concerned about only having Wiltshire in the 23 class coming right off of a final four. All right. Yeah, I, I agree with John. Really the litmus test more so is 2024 than 2023. If 2024 turns out to be a class that's not so great or only has one or two guys or, you know, just they missed on, you know, every target except for Drake Powell, then yeah, that's an issue where they failed to capitalize on a final four run and then a season where they started off probably preseason number one and number two. So if we have this conversation in a year, 
in the recruiting class in 2024 doesn't look great, then I, I would say, I would answer your question, yes. But right now, I, I don't think you can, you can say that they failed. Fair enough. Well, again, wanted to make sure we got that out there because like you said, Cheryl, it has been some scuttlebutt around uh, around fans and around inside Carolina subscribers. So I want to make sure we addressed it. But with that, let's put a bow on the show and get the heck out of here. Um, guys, I appreciate it. Sean, you've got something coming about Cousin Drake very soon. You want to plug that before we, before we close up? Yeah, it should be a an, an article and a scouting video report uh, that comes through some of his Peach Jam games as well as Kansas City and just goes through some of his uh, strengths and, and areas of improvement, which we talked about earlier today. So I'm sure that will be the the first of, of several videos to come uh, with the high school season right around the corner and then uh, another AAU season to go. Awesome, man. Look forward to it. You know, as always, I think those, uh, those video, um, video segments are really well done and appreciate the insights you bring to them. Uh, Sherelle, anything before we get out of here? Yeah, just circling back on Trevor Powell, I, I would just say, man, he's he's a good basketball player. That sounds simplistic and it sounds cliche, but he really does do a lot of things well. And and as Sean said, his versatility is going to be really welcomed at UNC, especially um, with the way he's dedicated himself to becoming an excellent two-way player. Hey, you got to have good players, man. Uh, I'm not I'm not a not a brilliant mind, but even my knuckle dragging <laughs> self can recognize that. All right, guys, I appreciate it. As always, you guys do an amazing job, and I appreciate what you bring here. To everybody listening and or watching, hammer that subscribe button, please. You know, Give us a rating and review if you'd like. We really appreciate it. Let us know if we're doing well or if we're doing poorly. And again, if you don't like what we're doing, if there's something we could do better, give us a heads up directly. Message me. Um, shoot me a note on the message boards or, or let Ben know, and we'll make sure we try to, to clean things up a little bit. You know, We, we got we got to clean it up, right? Like That's something we definitely got to do. Uh, I know Sheryl loves hearing that, so we're going to try to clean things up if there are things that need to be cleaned up. But we appreciate you guys. Thanks to Johnny T-Shirt for sponsoring. Uh, thanks to John Siegley for producing. But for Sean Moran and Sheryl McMillan, I'm just Joey Powell. We'll see you guys next time on the Coast to Coast here on InsideCarolina.com. Like, Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.